Ohio State versus Utah, who's in and who's out, and why I'll probably never eat Dairy Queen again. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. And we are coming to you from Bowl Week, baby. It is that time of the year, man, the Christmas for all Ohio State and college football fans all over the United States. We are talking Rose Bowl. We're talking college football playoffs. We're talking all that stuff. Davis, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of excitement for this game we got coming up? Ooh, this game coming up or the bowl season in general? The hell with the bowl season. I'm talking about Ohio State. I'm talking about Ohio State. Listen, listen, we still got a lot riding on this bowl season. For those of you that may not have listened to last episode, there's a round of golf on this bowl season. So I'm still highly interested in the rest of these games. I've decided that if I win the bet, it's 18. And if you win the bet, it's nine. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't get to make that bet. If it's nine, then we're getting drinks afterwards. That's what he said. (laughs) <laughs> well, we're getting drinks regardless, but uh, All right. to be to be perfectly honest, um, you know, I think my numbers going up as we're getting closer to the game. Obviously, initially it was probably at like a four, but I'm closer to about a seven right now, maybe even an eight uh, with the playoffs being like at a ten. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Dude, I think I'm really just in the middle on this one, to be totally honest. I I, I don't think that I'm like overly excited and I don't think I'm really like underwhelmed. I feel like I'm in the neutral zone, especially, you know, with, with what we're getting ready to talk about uh, happening. And that is players were missing for the game, whether it be, you know, some going to the NFL um, and opting not to play in the bowl game or some that are just not playing in the game as well. Um, So notably um, ones that have uh, opted out to go to the NFL early and skip the bowl game Garrett Wilson, Haskell Garrett, Chris Olave, and my nickname guy. I call him Petit Monfrere. Um, <laughs> Petit Monfrere. <laughs> and other notables that aren't going to be playing, um, Antoine Jackson, Cody Simon, Seven Banks, and Marcus Williamson. When those names start popping up like that, and I just feel like we are you know, we don't have everybody, it kind of takes a little bit of luster off of it. It's good in that, don't get me wrong, it's good in that we're going to see a lot of depth. We're going to see a lot of young guys get their shot, but... I don't like going against teams like this, teams that are kind of scary without being full strength. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. Don't get me wrong. I Was this expected? Yeah. I mean, I definitely assumed uh, both Wilson and Olave wouldn't play. Um, Haskell Garrett, I'm a little surprised. Figured he'd give it a run, but I guess I understand he's been playing hurt most of the year. So uh, decided not to test that anymore. Um, and I'm not not really that worried about the offensive line. Um, in regards to missing any players, um, we still have enough there and enough enough depth there that I think we'll be all right. I mean, there's nothing really surprising that stands out to me. I mean, Seven Banks didn't have the greatest season, in my opinion, so I don't think we're missing much there. Um, Cody Simon could be a little bit hurtful because we're already a little bit limited at linebacker. But for the most part, though, I still feel like we're going to be coming in uh, with still a lot of key important players that – I feel are going to be motivated. Now, I know you're going to disagree with me here, but I just have a a suspicion that the best way to get the taste out of the mouth of that last game against Michigan is to come out and play well in the next game. So I'm more in the station of like, they're going to be motivated to play this game as opposed to looking at like, ah, well, the season's over. We don't really have much to play for anymore. How do you feel about this whole thing? How do you feel about p- players opting out of bowl games? Basically, if it's not a CFP national championship game or a playoff game, you know, players are pretty much opting out. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you think that's fair? You mean like Ohio State having players opt out or just college football Anybody. in general? Sure. See, I think the reason why it's difficult for me and you to handle it is because we're more traditionalist and we really grew up with appreciating Ohio State football in the 90s. Um, early two thousands was kind of like, you know, when we were really getting into it, uh, at the beginning and that's kind of, you know, the way we feel about the game, but slowly, but surely the game's just kind of been evolving and good, good, bad, or indifferent, or whether we agree with it or not, it's a different game now. 
and the, the players are being paid. I mean, there's transfers out the wazoo. Um, players that are opting out, even big-time bowls that are opting out. And it's, it's this is just what college football is now. So I don't like it, but I think there's no, nothing else to do other than to get on board because this is going to be a thing moving forward that I don't think is going to change. It's making me, I hate to state it this way, but I almost feel like I'm falling out of love with college football. It's becoming eh, everything that I don't like. I think that's a little harsh. I think, I I, think see, you're I being a little harsh. The reason I the reason I don't like the NFL as much as I like college football is everything that we're doing right now didn't exist. And they're they're turning it into a business even more than it was. They're turning it into the NFL is what they're doing. Essentially with an unlimited free agency. Where you get a transfer, okay, well, I went here and I and I messed up, so now I'm gonna go over here and see how it works out. On top of that, you know, if it doesn't benefit me, even though I committed to my team to play, if we're not playing for a national title, or even if we are, I may just sit out. Forget the fans, forget everything else. Like I, I have to do what's best for me. It's an NFL mentality. It's a me first mentality. And that's the reason why I don't like the NFL like as much as I like college. Cause it, I felt like there was some purity still in college. And I feel like that's slowly being taken away. Uh, I, I mean, I can't disagree with you with anything that you said. Um, it's just a different day and age, man. Um, I mean, you have players that don't want to stay at programs anymore and try to work it out or try to earn their place onto the team. Um, you have players that, um, you know, are opting out of big time bowl games and some of them, I don't even think, uh, are as high, highly rated as they should be, uh, considering sitting out. But I mean, listen, it, it's easy to sit here and say that, but if we were in their shoes and we're what, 21 years old, 20, 21, 22 years old and already staring in the face in the matter of a couple months looking at a multi-million dollar contract or I can play this one last game here but if something were to happen it could cost me over half that money if not more. Yeah, but here's the thing. You play the whole year like that. So you mean weeks where we play Akron and Rutgers? Those weeks you're not worried about and you'll play? I mean, that's a good point. Hey, that's a good point. It is. But at that point... There's still, I, I mean, so I guess maybe the better question that I think we're trying to get to here is what is the real reason why they're sitting out? What is ultimately the reason? Is it to protect themselves? I think partially, and I think that's a, a maybe one of the bigger reasons, but I think it's the season feels done. You know, the Rose Bowl, whether you win or lose, you get a trophy or you don't. You know, you get bragging rights or you don't, but that's about it. You know, you I, don't get the national title run. And I know we haven't brought it up in a while, and I don't mean to cut you off. I know you want to jump in here, but, you know, we haven't talked about college football playoff expansion in a little while. And I think that's another thing that if we expand the playoffs, you're going to have less of these things happening because you're going to have more teams, the higher rated teams with, you know, some of these big time players that are in the running for a possibility of a, you know, a college football championship. And I'd seriously, like if we're in a playoff, those two players aren't opting out. Would you agree with me? Yeah, but like they're not opting out. The college football playoff has caused division. Like you said, the expansion would include some bowl games, but it's still not going to include a lot of bowl games. So pretty much you're saying however many, playoff spots you decide to allow are the bowls that are going to survive. Everybody else is just nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this year yeah. the Rose Bowl feels that way because it's they've in you know unintentionally the college football playoffs has made anything but the playoff games a you know a turd. It's a yeah, turd. Those, you're right in a way, but it's not that these other bowl games are unimportant. They're unimportant to teams like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma that have national title aspirations at the beginning of the year. The the bulk of the college teams still appreciate that. Plus, they're important because these schools get a payout, you know. So there's still a lot of money involved why these other bowl games are important. So I think what you're saying is true, but it's really only for those elite teams that if you're not in a playoff, any other kind of bowl game, whether it's New Year's Six or not, doesn't seem as important anymore. So that's and that though that is why my radar is where it is. That's why I'm sitting out of five on excitement level. It's not, dude. I want to want to play a game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know I want to, but it's like 
when I look at the situation, I'm like, okay, all these guys are sitting out. Like, you don't want to be there for your teammates. You don't want to be there for your fan base. Like, you don't want to do any of that. You just want – like, that takes my motivation down a peg. I, w- I was already, like, not thrilled. I would say that I'd probably be at a seven, okay, if everyone was playing. But the fact that everyone's not playing, especially I don't get to see my final, you know, Crystal Lave moment or anything like that, and I think Haskell Gear is a huge key to this game. So that's going to hurt us. When you add all that together, man, it just takes me down a peg, dude. It takes the wind out of my sails a little bit, and I hate for it to be like that, especially when we're talking the Rose Bowl, man, and the history of the Rose Bowl, especially when it pertains to Ohio State. If I if I wasn't going to a national championship, I would want to be going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is the bowl game if we don't get to the playoffs that you want to be in. I think what's hurting the Rose Bowl more than anything, and it's not really been talked about, is that it's not really a sexy opponent we're playing against. You know, it's Utah. And Utah had a great year, and they played really well down the stretch. Um, But it's not, you know, if it was USC that was having a good year, or if it was Oregon again, like if it was an Oregon rematch, you'd be a lot more interested in the game. Or if it was, you know, another big team. But with it being Utah, you know, I think that kind of takes some of the luster out of it. And I think it also kind of makes it like a no-win situation in our eyes because it's an opponent that we should expect to beat and should hope to beat. And if we beat them, then we should have already. But at the same time, if we lose to them, then we could potentially be the laughing stock of college football. So there's a lot of uh, things with just the opponent that we're playing in the Rose Bowl that I think also probably takes away from some of your excitement. Would you yeah, agree with that? Yeah, because there's the thing is, dude, there's no win for us. If we win, it was because we were supposed to. So we don't really get any clout for that. And if we lose, we're the laughing stock. So where's the positive in it? Right, because, you know, you know I mean? that's that's why we always want to have a shot at Alabama or a shot at Clemson or a shot at someone so that when, if and when we beat them, you know, there, there's good bragging rights there, bragging rights for the whole year that y- you can hang your head on. We beat Utah. I'm not going to be going around bragging to people that we beat Utah. You know, no. regardless of how good of a team they are, I'm sorry, they just don't have the history and the amount of clout that these other teams are that we're expecting to try to be competing against. So I think it's not as much the Rose Bowl issue. It's who we're going against is the issue. Because I yeah. personally would rather seen us go against Notre Dame or Oklahoma or had that rematch with Oregon, I think uh, or even Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Ole Miss would have been a great bowl game to play, yeah. and I would have been excited to watch that. But Me because too. of our tie-ins with the Rose Bowl, that forced us to play Utah, and I think the opponent is what's hurting the motivation for this game. Well, yeah, and let's just go ahead and segue right into it, dude. So, you know, the things to me that make Utah dangerous uh, away from the X's and O's, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, is the fact that they've never been to the Rose Bowl before. So this is their first appearance in the Rose Bowl. On top of that, man, they're on a six-game winning streak. Okay, they've kind of figured it out towards the end of the season. They just beat Oregon. They're on a roll. They're on an upswing, and we currently, until things change here, hopefully Saturday, are on a downswing. When those two things meet and you got an underdog that isn't supposed to be there and the only thing they're doing is chomping at the bit to beat the big, bad Ohio State, like that's a recipe for disaster. Like it is. I'm not saying that we're going to lose this game. I'm just saying none of that stuff favors us outside of X's and O's. Right. And not to mention, I mean, we're going to be vastly, you know, the minority fan base in this game because of, you know, the restrictions in California, some of the letdown of just being in the Rose Bowl this year with that opponent. The fact that Utah's really gone above and beyond trying to buy as many tickets as they can. Like it's going to feel like a true road game. Um, and that's not something that Ohio state, you know, is typically used to seeing. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge factor, but I just think that's just yet another piece of the puzzle where, you know, you have a lot of chips that are starting to weigh a lot more heavily favored on Utah than Ohio state. Yeah. It's to me, it's the intangibles. Like I was saying the stuff that I was talking about, you know, that it's our first bowl appearance, Rose bowl appearance, and they probably are going to be, I hate to say it. I'm just going to say it. That they will probably be slightly more hungry than we are in this game. I think so. Um, I really, I just do. Um, like I said, they are they are the Goliath, or you know, David versus Goliath here. They are the underdog, big time, and that always favors somebody. I do. I think it's going to be enough to beat us. I don't. Um, but but I think that that goes against us. Now, when you're talking about athletes on the field, and you're talking about you know X's and O's, I think we we will overtake them at some point. You know, I've got some thoughts on that, but. 
But, you know, what scares me about this team, man, and I want to hear your opinion on it, is the fact that they are eerily similar to Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they're they a run-first team, yeah, and they run it well, I, man. I see where you're coming from, and I know a lot of people are actually kind of making that same um, comparison. But they're two differently built teams. Um, they definitely have – I think their quarterback's better than Cade McNamara. Um, but I don't think their run game and their offensive line is as good. I think they're a solid team, but you got to think some of that gets masked by the opponents they're going against. Now I know everyone's just focusing on look what they did to Oregon in back-to-back games. Okay. Oregon kind of lost their mojo. They had some injuries. They lost their main running back that ran all over us. Um, I think the game or two after that, that Utah didn't even get to play against, um, and they're not particularly good. Pa- uh, Oregon's not a particularly good passing team. So when you're a lot more one dimensional and y- you can kind of game plan for that. Um, so I think there's some things in there, especially, you know, if you want to even look at their strength of schedule compared to our strength of schedule or Michigan's strength of schedule. And it, there's a pretty big difference there. Um, at least, uh, almost 30, 40 spot difference in strength of schedule. Yeah, but uh, here's my point though. We had a chance we had a chance for the entire year to game plan for Michigan and we knew exactly what they were going to do and we didn't do to stop it. Listen, you're hanging your hat off of one game and I get it. No, I'm hanging my hat off of both games we played a good defense. Both games we played a good defense, we got shellacked. Both Listen, games. Purdue has a better defense than than Utah and look what we did to them. Michigan State uh, at least in the running, has a better. Don't defense. even talk about Michigan State. They're trash. No, they're passing. They're passing defense is trash. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's not just apples to apples. You can't just say because we did this against Michigan, it's the same type of team. We're going to expect the same kind of result. It, it, it's different. Plus, the situation is now different. Do you feel so, confident with Ohio State against the run? Do I feel confident? No, I don't think anyone in the right mind would say they feel confident. Now, missing do I think missing a starting linebacker and Haskell Garrett. Uh, I mean, obviously, no, that doesn't help either. But do I think that they're just going to run down our throats the entire game and we're not going to be able to make adjustments? Listen, we've had an entire month to make some better adjustments against the run. If anything, I feel like we could get exposed passing because we're going to focus so much on stopping the run. I don't think so, dude. This guy's not a big uh, I just don't see him passing it. Not a whole lot. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe they'll come out and surprise me and that'll be their game plan. But I just don't. I don't see it, especially when it's been proven that people can run on us. Everyone that's tried, it's been successful. I mean, uh, no, Mich- not everyone. I mean, we stopped Michigan State. We show we were capable. That Michigan, no, State, Michigan State game State made you a believer. Michigan State stopped themselves. They. Uh, them you want to go back and listen to that podcast? You felt pretty damn good about our run. You came into the Michigan game saying, "I'm not worried about our run defense. I can." If you want, I was I not. I did. I wasn't worried about it until I seen what I we, know what kind of garbage because you you're still basing this off of one game. I understand the problem's been there all year and it's been massing some games, but Michigan completely overexposed it. And at that point, we I, I still can't even explain some of the things that happened in that game, to be perfectly honest with you. I want to even sit here and I hate being the excuse person, but. I almost want to say that that flu bug that really hit might have been a bigger deal than people realize because I can't explain how poor we looked in that game. I don't think that was the Ohio State team that we've even seen all year. Even with our deficiencies on defense in the run game, that was just a a crazy outlier. I don't think Michigan's that good. I don't think our defense is that bad. I think it was just a combination of them playing out their ass, and we were completely deficient that day. See, dude, and I don't think we ever found our footing the entire season. I, I agree. Totally I honest. agree. I agree. We've been off all year. But, I mean, we went through a lot of changes this year. I mean, when's the last time you heard of a defensive coordinator being demoted after the third, fourth game? Like, that doesn't happen. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with the fact that we went through some changes. I'm just saying that when you have the entirety of a season, most football teams, whether they're new or not, figure it out by the end. If you want to be yeah. an elite program, you figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I mean, Alabama I figures agree. it out. I agree. Most teams are playing their better football at the end of the year, and we definitely did not finish. We finished probably with our worst game of the season, and that's that's a tough pill to swallow, and it raises a lot of questions. I get that. So uh, but, what I'm saying you know, is I'm let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, and you, you may or may not agree with me, but I'm going to make this correlation that, you know, what happened last year when we went and played Alabama? 
we were shorthanded. And we came out, and there were a few specific matchups that were a nightmare, and we had no answer for them at all. They basically moved the ball at will against us, just kind of like how Michigan did, just in a different facet, right? So even though we did have players playing and we weren't really missing any players in the game, I think a lot of them were playing sick. I think they were playing or recently recovered, didn't get a lot of practice time. Um, Situational football where you kind of get down early, they kind of punch you in the mouth and we don't really recover. Dude, that's such a candy-ass excuse. I, I'm sitting think, here trying to find other any, players. Don't so have what's flu? your excuse then? Your excuse is uh, they just didn't want it. They didn't care. Yes, they absolutely came out. And there's acted like they there's didn't be no there. way that those kids did not care about that game. No, You've got to look be, that way. Be, exactly. I watch don't the game again and tell me. I have. So you and mean that's the entire why I have team so, had the I damn have. flu? That's I don't know, man. Listen, every team, I'm every not in that locker room. I just have a hard time sitting here and believing that we did not want to be in that game. Dude, Chris Spielman had a torn pectoral muscle and and shoved smelling salts up his nose before the game and breathed them in while crying and screaming and went out and played football. And you're telling me we had the sniffles and so we couldn't play against Michigan. Again, Give football has evolved break. into something different nowadays. I mean, did players opt out on Chris Spielman's day? Did we have targeting bullcrap calls in Chris, well, Chris I mean, Spielman's they day? They could have. Were mean, people transferring know. at the whim in Chris Spielman's day? Listen, it's different age football, okay? I get it. We may not like it, but in a, in, in a certain aspect, maybe as a wholeness, the game of football has gotten soft a little bit, okay? There's feelings being hurt and people leaving. There's easy targeting penalties on normal football plays that are just good hits sometimes. You know, that there's uh, players that are opting out because, uh, you know, at, at an alarming rate. You know, the game of football in general has gotten a little bit soft. Would you not agree? Yeah, 100% I agree. So I just, I don't know what it is, but I just have a hard time sitting here telling myself that the Ohio State with the tradition and with the expectations and with, you know, just the fan base that they could go into a Michigan game and not care. I feel like there was something else going on that caused it to look the way it did. It really, I, I don't think you'll ever be able to convince me unless they come out and literally tell me, well, the players just didn't really want to play that game. And that's not going to be said. I guess I just don't understand it. It can never, I just don't understand how you could have the sniffles and not play against Michigan. And on top of that, I don't understand how everybody could have the sniffles and not play against Michigan because that's what it was. I'm it not was saying awful. that's what I've it was. I've watched that game at least six I'm times. I'm not saying that's least. what it was. I'm just at a loss, and I can't take the route you're taking. I can't say they didn't care and that they didn't want that game. I have I to can't. take it that way. Unless someone tells me otherwise, I have to take it that way. There's no other way to take it. Let's let's focus a little bit on some of the uh, stats with this matchup here. So Ohio State's coming in with the best offense in the country still. Uh, we're at 45 and a half points, and we're at 551 on the ground. Even in our struggles against Michigan, which I'm going to try not to revert back to that, though, we still had over 430 yards of offense. We just weren't very productive in the end zone. So that kind of hurt. Uh, definitely wasn't uh, our best offensive performance, but I think if you really look behind the numbers, we moved the ball decently um, with some struggles, but we just had way too many penalties in that game that I think really shot ourselves in the foot. And if you want to look at Ohio State defensively, uh, we are still only 26 in the country in points per game given up at 20.9, but we're 52nd at yards, which is 366. I think that's an interesting stat that um, we're giving up some decent yards, but it does look like we're at least, you know, this could be turnovers, which we've had a handful of. Uh, these could be hidden things like sacks or, you know, stopping them in the red zone and getting three instead. So I think based on points per game, we're doing a decent job. Uh, but obviously I'm not happy with the amount of yards we're giving up. So if we want to look at Utah's side, on offense, they're 19th in the country, which isn't bad. They're averaging about 35 points a game. Uh, but they're 47th in the country in yards per game at 428. So what that tells me is they're an efficient team. When they're getting into the red zone, they're scoring their seven more times than not, but they're at least 100 yards per game behind Ohio State. And that's a significant difference. 
Uh, defensively, uh, Utah is 24th in the country, giving up 20.6 points per game. So they're neck and neck with Ohio State and giving up points. But their real stat is they're 13th in the country and only giving up 317 yards per game. So that means they're doing a lot better job defensively at, you know, keeping the ball moving up and down the field. And But they're still giving up roughly amount the same amount of points that our defense is giving up. So the, I guess the hidden stat there could be that they're not as efficient in the red zone or uh, they're not getting as many takeaways, um, however you want to take that. So that's kind of the breakdown of where Ohio State and Utah sit statistically coming into that game with our offensive and defensive numbers. So also, if you want to look at our strength of schedule, um, and I mean, I, I saw a couple different sites that have some different numbers. I'll say in one side, Ohio State was 14th strength of schedule, and another one was 33. But then you look at Utah, and they're either 57th or 43rd. So, you know, you're looking at the offense there uh, that they're scoring at Utah is in the defense numbers they have in a strength of schedule that is not I'd say it's a full tier below what Ohio State had to go through, especially in that Big Ten East. So I'm expecting that Ohio State should be able to get pretty close to what their yardage expectation should be for the game. I think the big uh, key is going to be how efficient are we going to be in the red zone yet again. I am going to go with I think the key to the game is going to be on both lines, period. Um, I think we're going to be missing something. Um, even though we got Njigba still there and we got Fleming and, you know, a couple of the other guys are going to fight for some time. Um, and Igbuka, they said, was at practice and he was not in any brace or anything. And then you got Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, uh, trying to bide for that last spot as well. But I think the key to this game to me is Travion Henderson. And for it to be Travion Henderson, it's the line. And for it to be the line, it's the defensive line as well. Um, I think this is, as much as we talk about, you're right, it's not the same team as Michigan, but it's, to me, a similar game plan, a similar issue here. And I think that if if they stop the run and we don't stop the run, we lose this football game. I think that's the key right there. And I really think, like I talked about, having Haskell Garrett out, to me, is the biggest key to this game right now. Yeah, I, I've said it for a lot of weeks, man, and I'm going to live and die by what I've said all year. And if we can find a way to be balanced in this game, and I – there's other games we weren't balanced and we did fine, but that was against lesser opponents. When we play against quality opponents, we have got to be balanced. And the problem is against these quality opponents, we're constantly putting the ball in CJ's hand and making him throw for 40, 50 times a game. And that can't happen. There's got to be a mix in the offense. And I know that we do attempt to run, and I know there's been several games where Travion Henderson has struggled, but I'm not blaming the kid. I'm blaming some of the run concepts that we're calling. You know, we're not putting enough people in blocking for some of these plays. You're not using misdirection. You're not getting him out into space. And they're almost kind of like running him up the middle with five down linemen. You know, I really think that if we can find a way to balance this game, and I'm almost said it all year long. If we can get 200 yards rushing on the ground as a team, then we're not going to lose the game because you'd have to assume even if CJ doesn't have his best day, you know he's going to throw for almost 300, 350 yards. So if we can get 200 on the ground with another 300, 350 through the air, I'd still say that's pretty balanced. So do At you least, think with us missing Wilson and Olave that he's still going to produce the same numbers through the air? The same, no. But the same also meant, you know, he's throwing five, six touchdowns some games with, you know, 400 passing yards. Do we need that out of him? No. But do we need a 280 to 330-yard passing game with two to three touchdowns? And then you complement 200 yards on the ground with another two, three touchdowns on the ground? Absolutely. See, I think it's going to be the interesting thing to me is going to be even all year when Chris Olave uh, was on the field and maybe he was a little bit quiet. He was still doing his job and that he's drawing attention. He's making people have to respect him deep. And I don't think we're going to have that this game. I think people are going to focus on Njigba and try to take him out. And we have a lot of new faces on the field. They don't have but, a lot of experience. See, I'm not the, saying they're not the, capable. Yeah. Well, the beauty but, is with Jackson Smith, I don't mean to cut you off. Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba plays the slot, right? 
And it's a lot harder to double team someone when they're in the slot because they're constantly changing different levels, cutting through the middle. You know, a lot of times you have to end up putting linebackers out there in that coverage, things like that. So you can't just necessarily take everything away from it. It's a lot easier to double team someone like a Chris Olave or something like that. You can, but then what's that going to do? That's going to leave open the outside. So for you who, can though? go ahead. Well, Julian Fleming, I think, is the one that's going to take over Olave's role, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm saying these guys are young. They haven't done it yet. Now you're talking about a Rose Bowl game on national television at night in California, and they've never, and they've got like about two seconds of game time experience. Well, Julian Fleming's had several opportunities for experience. He's just been battling a little bit of injuries. So um, he's caught touchdown passes. He's had some experience. I trust Julian Fleming. He has good hands. Emeka Abuka, um, I think, can be a star. I don't know how healthy he is. He's probably had the least amount of experience, along with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, those guys give me a little more worry, um, but I still think they are more than capable. And listen, you keep forgetting these are really highly recruited players, like some of the top, not just in their state, but in the in the country at their position. You know, Garrett Wilson was in that same boat. The only difference is he found a spot early on as a freshman to get in the starting lineup. But I realistically, like that doesn't mean anything to me. Just because, I mean, Chris Olave was a three-star receiver. So what? I mean, I've yeah, seen but he, de- but he had to develop, and also sometimes those recruit rankings underranks people. A lot of it is also situational, man. I mean, it's it, I'm I'm not talking about on the field. I'm talking about like being able to get into the lineup to be able to establish yourself early on Garrett Wilson hit like a perfect uh, scenario where you had, you know, Terry McLaurin leave and um, a lot of a handful of other big time, uh, you know, KJ Hill and uh, gosh, I can't think of off the top of my head, uh, Benjamin Victor, you know, you had other key wide receivers that all kind of left and he found himself in a very advantageous position to start early on and then get into a rhythm early, and you could see his talent. Um, we've seen Julian Fleming make some good plays. We've seen Emeka Buka make some good plays. We've seen Marson. We've probably seen the least from Marvin Harrison Jr. But these kids are good, okay? And they've been practicing, especially now, a lot more with the ones uh, with C.J. Stroud. And I'm expecting to not see a terrible, a terribly huge amount of drop off. I think there's going to be some drop off because you can't just replace the, you know, the amount of talent, especially in Garrett Wilson. Uh, You know, I love Chris Olave and he was great, but really Garrett Wilson is insanely good. You're not going to fully replace what he could do, but I'm telling you that there's not going to be as big of a drop off as what you think. To me, I I just don't know how there couldn't be some um, and considerably. To be honest with you, I, I really don't think that. And I think it's going to affect CJ slightly, too. I mean, that's just the way I feel about it. These are new kids. Marvin Harrison was in there. He had how many drops the last time that he was in the game? I mean, two. And he was only in there for a couple series. My point is, these kids are going to have to get the jitters out. Um, and I think that's what this game is going to be used for more than anything. That's why like, I'm not expecting some kind of dominant performance. I'm not expecting us to go out for anything. You know what I mean? I, I'm just expecting it to be okay. I'm expected to be okay and balanced with all the people that we're missing. That's that's pretty much what I think we can do. I think we're going to win the football game, but I think the spread is pretty accurate, to be totally honest with you. That's kind of where I'm at with it. So I understand. Listen, at the end of the day, I think our offense is going to be okay. I think the focus has got to be on getting this run game going. I think C.J. Stroud is continuing to develop even more as a quarterback. We started to see him scramble a little bit more in the Michigan game. I hope he starts making that more of a part of his offense. But I'm not really as worried about the offense, and that's really where we're going to be missing most of you know, our key players. I think we're going to be fine, to be perfectly honest with you. My worry is with the defense, and when it comes to, like you said specifically, the run defense. And I don't know necessarily if it was just playing slow, if we weren't reading the blocks, it was misdirection. I mean, I can almost guarantee Utah's probably going to go through all of that Michigan game film and try to mimic as many plays as they can or go through that um, Oregon game, 
that they played in Columbus and try to mimic as many of those plays as they can to try to see if they can exploit us. So I feel like if we can really hammer some of that stuff down, you know, I'm okay if we're giving up a little bit of yards here and there, but we got to stop with the explosive play and we've got to stop them on third down. You know, third one, third and two, I get it, but you get them third and five or longer, we've got to be getting out of those plays. So I think that's going to be more the key to this game than anything is not just our specifically our run defense, but um, really stopping them on third down and not getting these drives continually going because that's what Oregon did to us. And that's what Michigan did to us. Yeah, see, I'm going to stick with the lines in that I feel like what you said earlier in the season is probably the most correct statement that you've said all year. If Travion Henderson or one of our backs isn't in the 100-yard range, we're losing. And that is such a huge factor. Because when we can't run the ball, dude, we panic. Just like every other team in America, man. And then we end up throwing the ball 40, 50 times, and that's when we get into trouble. And when you couple that with the fact that our defense has been less than stellar all year long, I just think if we can't establish that run right off the rip and then disperse the pass throughout that, I think it could be a long day, especially if we can't stop the run, dude. And I really think with some of these guys we got out, some of our depth is gone. I'm not saying anything about seven banks, you know, whatever. You know, I could care less whether he's there or not. Some of these other guys, man, when I think about it, if they can run for three to four yards to carry on us, I mean, we're in deep crap. And that's what I keep thinking about, man. Like, And that's the thing. Like, what, to me, in my head, I'm thinking – Okay, what has happened since Michigan to now? Because we haven't been able to fix it all year long. And that's with moving coordinators. That's with moving personnel. That's with changing schemes. We have not been able to fix it. So what has changed between Michigan and now that makes me confident that we can make that change? And the answer is nothing. I don't know what. I mean, there's some new guys who are going to play, um, but we got the same personnel on defense right now, and most of them probably think they're getting fired, or some of them are worried about getting fired after this game as it is. So you got that little monkey on your shoulder as well. But, dude, I, I just don't see how we could have improved that much between now and then. And I'm not saying Utah's some juggernaut, and they're going to come out like Michigan did and just run all over us. I'm just saying I see a very similar narrative to where we're going to give up 150 to 160 yards rushing and probably a couple of touchdowns. Question is, can we get moving on offense in the running game enough to put some points on the board, not abandon the run game, but use it in a balanced, effective manner, and we end up winning this football game? That's kind of where I'm at with it, man. Like, And that, to me, all comes down to the lines because we got dominated on the lines versus Michigan. Both sides of the ball, dude, it was horrendous. And that's my biggest fear, man. Does that happen again? And what has changed between then and now to make you think otherwise? Yeah, I mean, not much probably has changed. If anything, we're more shorthanded than we were in that game, assuming, you know, we're healthy or assuming that in the Michigan game we were playing really not healthy and still sick. But I think uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of younger, motivated kids. Um, I'm really excited. See, listen, I know you, you your excitement level is not there. But for me, I think the closer I get to game time, the more excited I am about the game because I'm really looking forward to seeing some younger players step up because it's going to be a, a good firsthand view of what we really are going to be working with next year. You know, I, I can't wait until we have JT Tumalo out and Jack Sawyer on the field at the same time. I think that JT can play a little bit more in the middle. I can almost see him maybe fill in a Haskell spot, even though I know he's more of a D, D end. He can play in the middle because he's a big guy. Uh, we still have Tyleek uh, that's going to be coming off the edge. I think Jack Sawyer is a great edge player. I think that's where he needs to stay. He does remind me a little bit of a Bosa-style player. Um, he's got kind of the similar build, good hands. He's quick. Um, I'm really excited to see younger players step up in this game. And I know we've been talking a lot about the receivers, but there's some key players on defense that are going to get a lot more playing time that were really highly ranked players. Um, there's another linebacker. I know we haven't talked about much, but Reed Carrico, he's from just over the river from where I live over in Ironton. And I think, you know, he, he's a linebacker that uh, is eventually going to start getting some more playing time, I think. I'm just really excited to see some younger players step up. So I think there's going to be definite motivation there 
just being younger. I mean, feeling like you yourself as a young player have something to prove to these coaches saying, here, let me show you why I deserve to be a starter next year. I don't think we're going to come into this game flat. I really don't. I can see some of the older players, the ones that actually opted out being a little bit flatter because, you know, Haskell Garrett, one of the main reasons he stayed and wanted to stay is because he wanted to win a national title. He felt bad about losing to Alabama last year. And he even, you know, tried to say, hey, this is just like the 2014 season. Like, you know, we lost early and we're going to get it rolling all the way to the playoffs. Like, you know, those are the players that I'd be more worrisome that would lay down. And the fact that they're opting out may not be the worst thing. Not to say that they come out and actually play like crap, but you're actually going to have young, motivated players in this game. And I'm sorry, if you want to go roster to roster with Utah, they, they cannot stand up to who we have on our team. Now, I understand they're probably a little more veteran. They're playing better as an overall team. But if they want to make this a track meet, it's not going to be a game. I mean, yeah, I could see that. I mean, athlete to athlete, they're not going to beat us. They're not going to out recruiters i mean you know a lot of four and five star guys are not going to they're not just not going to utah i'm sorry and but you know like they, they do find diamonds in the rough tavion thomas i know um they're running back who went through a lot in his life um he was actually an ohio state recruit at one time um and then uh, actually ohio state pulled the offer and he ended up going to jayco and then making his way making his way to utah where he's been really successful but you know those guys are few and far between I just think it's what you said. I mean, how many times have we watched? I hate to relate it to this, but you know, how many times have we watched like Gonzaga in the tournament in the early years when they weren't what they are today, where they just had a cohesive group of people that ran through other people? I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that scares me. These veteran teams that have been together a while, because you can make up for some talent gap with your experience and cohesiveness. You know what I mean? In a group of people, and that's the kind of stuff that worries me. Like I said. I am not worried about losing this football game. I just think that this game is not going to be what a lot of Ohio State fans think. So, you know, I, I know we've gone on and on, and I think the key matchups, if we're, if we're, if I wanted to ask you, if we're, if you're going to, like, your number one key matchup, I know you said the line play, but be more specific. What is the one thing that has to go right for us to win the game or if it goes wrong, we lose. It could be any facet of the game. It could even be special teams. Not that I know you're going to pick that, but pick me one thing, one specific part of the game that has got to be in our favor. The defensive line has got to win the battle, 100%. Our linebackers have to plug holes. The secondary, I'm not really worried about. But that initial push on the line and what we do up front, we have got to win that battle to win that battle to stop the run. If we don't stop that run, dude, we are done. I think we can give them a little and still win this football game as we, like I said, throw our balance attacked out. We're going to miss a little bit like we talked about on receiving, um, on offense. And I know that we're going to try to establish a run. I think we're going to try to use both backs again. I think you're going to see mine Williams. I think you're going to see Henderson as well. Um, but I really think, dude, the key to this game is is the defensive line. If we can't stop the run, I think we're in for a day, man. I think we're in for a day. And if we can even moderately stop the run, I think we win this football game easily. So I'm going to take this and, and stay with me here for a second. So think about the games that we've lost, right? Even though the defense did not play well in either one of those games. Could we have won both those games if our offense played up to the capability they were up that they can play up to? Okay. I know where you're going, but let me no, just say it, this. It was a yes or no question. Don't hold I on. don't I didn't want an extra elaboration back. I just want Dude. confirmation. But hold on. You can't expect more from your offense than we gave in Oregon. Yes, we can. We, we had six hundred yards of offense and scored twenty eight points. Are you kidding? That's what I'm saying, but you can't expect that from the offense. That's the coaching. That's play calling in the red zone. I don't That's care. Not Listen, our that, offense. I'm, I'm saying that I'm saying that all in general. Okay. All in general, then play calling on offense, whatever it means. I'm talking offensively in general. If we played better offensively against Oregon and we were more, I mean, we had 600 yards of offense. If we played better offensively against Michigan, because we scored 28 points against uh, Oregon, 27, I believe against Michigan. And we had over a thousand, <laughs> over a thousand yards of offense between those two games, a thousand yards, and come away with fifty-five points. 
with, with that amount of yards, we should, we should have been coming away with 80, 90, 100 total points in those games. With you're that saying even though you get put up 500 yards, you should have put up 700 yards. No, your defense should have played better, and we would win both those football games. You're missing That's my where the problem lies. This is my point. My uh, this is my bad. I didn't mean to put you in a situation because this is for higher level thinkers. Okay, I'm my bad. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not higher level. You're like okay. No, we had 500 no. yards offense. Now if we had had 700, would we have won that game? I yeah, didn't probably. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is every you know 100 yards of offense, you want to be scoring between seven to ten points a game. Okay. If we're at 500, 600 yards. Who the hell came up with that stat? Where'd that come from? Parcells. Well, it's a good thing he's dead. If he's not, he ought to be. He's criminy. That is a terrible ass stat. You ought to be coming up with seven. I'm not even even necessarily going by that. I'm going by this. Anyone in their right mind that knows anything about college football knows if you have 600 plus yards of offense and you score 28 points, you shit the bed that day. You did. Now, did you shit the bed or was the play calling wrong? It could have, but that, that's all in the same boat, is what I'm saying. It could have been the play calling, but that, it all goes in the same boat. So I'm, I'm talking about the offensive play calling, the, off, the offensive execution, the red zone, any of it. As, as, as a whole, if we would have played better offensively against Oregon and offensively better against um, Michigan, we still could have won both those games. So we could be I'm sitting play here, along. Yes. Play along. But that is not even even remotely the reason I, I, those games. I, listen, I think we've already established the, def- <laughs> the defensive issues we've had. But I'm saying on the same days that we are struggling really bad defensively, we also have not made up for it by playing really good offense. So it's been both at the same time. So if we played really good offensively against both those teams, we could have won them both. So the whole reason I'm bringing this up is my key to this game has nothing to do with our defense. The defense just needs to do as good as they can possibly do. But if our offense can click on all cylinders and be efficient in the red zone, not turn the ball over, keep moving up and down the field, if we get to at least 42 to 45 points, Utah can't touch us at all. And I think that's got to be the number. It may be a game where first one to 40 wins. And as long as the offense can do what they're supposed to do, it doesn't matter how bad the defense plays. Even in our worst game against, you know, Michigan, we still gave up, what, 42 points, I believe? 42 points. And that was our our worst game of the year. So if we can get up to 40-plus points in this game, it's over. It's done. We're not going to be giving up more than that especially with a team that's not going to be high-flying and tossed it everywhere. They're going to be more like trying to be, you know, Michigan, time of possession, try to keep the sticks moving, you know, keep the clock running, try to, you know, keep the offense off the field. We've got to score more than 40. We've got to be efficient. So the key to that and the real key that I'm saying is we have got to run the football. I want to see Ohio State run the football. I want to see Trevion Henderson over 100 yards. And not over 100 yards on 27 carries. Over 100 yards on like, you know, 18 to 20 carries max. And then splitting it up a little bit with Mayan Williams. And have Mayan Williams get a good 75, 80, 90 yards in there as well. And maybe even throw Master Teague in there in the red zone a couple times for another 20, 30 yards. But we should be over 200 yards as a team on offense on the ground. And if we cannot get to at least, I'd say, 175 on the ground, I think we're in trouble this game. Well, I mean, I have to agree there. I mean, I, that's it's synonymous with Ohio State football. We don't run the ball. We don't win the game. I mean, that's pretty close. Or at least if we if we do win the game, it's because we're playing an inferior opponent. Um, but generally, those two are tied together. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, to me, it's hard for me, other than the play calling, this year, as a whole, I don't blame the offense for anything. So it's hard for me to say, like, if the offense would do this, would we win or something like that. That's hard for me to say because I I don't feel that way. I feel like Ryan Day has put them in some bad spots more than a few times in, in tough games. And some of them went our way and some of them haven't. Um, but I don't blame that on them because I feel like if our defense wasn't such a shit sandwich, we wouldn't even be in half them situations to begin with. Well, I mean, you want to go back and look at that Nebraska game, or you want to go back and look at uh, the Penn State game where the defense didn't play uh, that bad of football, actually maybe even saved us in a couple of those games, and the offense 
stunk up the bed in those games. You know, the offense has sputtered multiple times this year, whether you like to agree. Even though we're number one in the country, and that's how explosive we can be, we should have been even better than what we were because we sputtered. We sputtered. We did. But you just can't expect that high flying of an offense every single week. I know that's tough. I know that's tough. But on days that the defense struggling, you need the offense to pick it up. At least that's something that Oklahoma used to be able to do. They could see if their defense was just giving up a score every time. You know what? They match them score for score. So when we saw that we were starting to get down early, we couldn't stop that run. We knew the offense had to produce. And the problem is we didn't. Same thing in that uh, Oregon game. When they kept scoring time and time and time again, we couldn't stop the run. We need the offense to come out and keep scoring, and they'd sputter. That's the problem. Now, I'm not saying that the defense wasn't at fault. It was definitely a defense fault. But if we would have played up offensively in those games and had really quality games, or at least been more efficient point-wise, we could we could still potentially be looking at an undefeated year, even with uh, you know a risky defense. I mean, we lost one game by seven, had a chance to at least tie it up late, and lost the other one by 15, which realistically kind of felt over about halfway through the fourth quarter anyways just because couldn't stop them and we couldn't get anything going. But both yeah. games, in my opinion, were still winnable if the offense played well. And then we'd be sitting here thinking, hey, is our defense going to be enough to you know, try to stop some of the playoffs? Instead, now we're looking at a two-loss season without you know college football playoff uh, berth and you know a lot more questions than answers. But really, we're not that far away from actually being a playoff team more than what people think. I mean, we were sitting here talking about the possibility of who we'd like to face in the playoffs even before we played Michigan. So imagine how high we were and how much confidence we had in this team. And then we see that one Michigan game, and all of a sudden, everything's falling apart. Like I said, I, it completely it completely uh, changed my opinion of Ryan Day. Yeah. Completely. Well, listen, that, that's that's a podcast for a whole nother day, and I know me and you want to spend a lot of time on it, but we I think we need to have a full assessment of how we feel like Ryan has been after his third season. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. It's I think we could spend an entire podcast on that one. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. And I don't I just I just want to throw it in there. I know we're not getting into it, but I just want to throw it in there that I'm not saying anything about Ryan Day, that I think he should be fired, or I think he's not capable of doing the job. I'm not at all. I'm just saying that uh, some things that happened that Michigan game kind of made me have some questions that I would like to have answers to someday. That's all. Yeah. But real quick before we get out of here, man, because we've gone long enough as it's usual, um, give me a score prediction in this game. I need to hear what you're thinking. So, I mean, I I, I like doing this now, and I'm going to start doing it more often, but I have a, a confidence factor, and I guess you can kind of see it with my score prediction, but – I'm going to give you the the score of what I think, if we play well, what it should be. And then I'm going to tell you what I really think we will be. Okay. I think if we play well in this game, I think we should win it like 49-21. That's if I think they can't stop us on offense and our defense. No, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just give two damn score predictions. I just well, realized this. I had to process it first. So now you're making, you're trying to find two ways to make I'm yourself not right. Putting instead of two one. of them in there. Yeah, because you'll be like, oh well, yeah, well that's what I said should have happened. Or you're saying, well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. All right, but fine. Really, what I thought. Forget was it. Then I guess no one wants to hear what happens if the team plays well. Let's. No, let's I must, talk about. No, I have to let it go this time to see if one of it's right. So give me both of them. Well, listen, I have to I let th- it go. I think if we play well on both sides of the ball, both sides, it's forty-nine twenty-one. It's a twenty-eight point win. Because realistically, I think we are three to four touchdowns better than Utah if we play to our full capability. Now, do I think that's what's going to happen? Do I think we're going to have, especially with some opt-outs? No. You know, I think it's going to be a lot closer. I don't know if we're going to necessarily score a little bit late to make it uh, a two-score game, but I'm going to call it 42-31 Buckeyes. 42-31 That's eerily similar to mine. I mean... I don't think it's going to be as high scoring, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that us having new guys in there, like I said, I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe maybe CJ will come out and just torch him through the air. I don't know. But I'm seeing this game more in the 35-24 range. That's okay. what I'm calling it. 35-24 bucks. So you got 11-point win. I got 11-point win. Yeah. I'm taking the over. You're taking the under. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can very easily see this being close all the way throughout, and it may take a, a late Ohio State score to get it up to the double digits. You know, I, that's very possible. 
could this be something that we could come out of the gates and be up, you know, 28 to seven and they're just chasing the entire rest of the game and can't make up enough. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, if I had to bet my house on it, it would definitely probably be a closer game throughout, but I think we can end up pulling out a, a, a two score win at the end. I hope you're right, man. I think, uh, I think it would be good for the young players to have some confidence, especially on the defense going into the off season here. Um, I think it would be, and it's always great to go out with a W and also three lost seasons, not a good, good way to end it. So I always want to end on a positive note, but let me um, ask you this then before you sign us off, yes or no. If we lose this game and even not if we lose game, but even if we lose it, not good, we look bad. Is Ryan day on the hot seat? No. And honestly, my opinion of this football team is not going to change whether we win or lose this game. To be totally honest with you, I'm well, kind I, of. I just, want to, I just want to get your take on that. I've kind of made up my mind. Okay, now I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that if we won, whoopity do. Um, and if we lose, whoopity do. Like we're we're missing all these people. You know what I mean? You've got a lot of new faces in there. There's going to be more growing pains as well. Like there's just a lot of things going on, dude, in this game for us. And I just really think that either win or lose, I don't know that I'd be that too terribly affected by it. You mean to tell me that you're not going to order a Rose Bowl championship T-shirt and hat that they're going to shop on that they're going to shop on TV as soon as the game's over? No. And you call (laughs) yourself an Ohio State fan? Nah. Nah. I got. uh, (laughs) I honestly, I like I said, this season was good for a lot of things. Um, and there's things that happened as far as like Chris Olave's records and things like that, that I'll probably never forget as long as I live. But also part of me just wants to forget part of the season too. <laughs> Listen, it was kind of a record breaking season. You had obviously Chris Olave break the reception touchdown record. You had Travion Henderson break the freshman ru- rushing record and touchdowns yards and a single yard per or yards in a single game. Um, you know, we, we had a number one overall offense. I mean, I know we're going to do a wrap up show, uh, after the Rose bowl to kind of, you know, finalize the season, but man, I mean, offensively, there was a lot of bright side to this, especially breaking in a new quarterback that n- has never even thrown a pass. And we still sent him to any, <laughs> and we still sent him to New York. So did you know what the season was like for me? Imagine this. Imagine some guy walking up to you like he works at Dairy Queen and he's like, hey, man. You want this ice cream cone? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, well, you can't have it. And then he's like, no, wait a minute. Yes, you can. And he gives it to you. But as soon as you look at it and hold it in your hand, he drops one knee and punches you right in the crotch. <laughs> That's what the season went. <laughs> that was the weird. That was the weirdest analogy I've ever heard in my life. So it's the truth, though. Like, you want this? Yeah, well, you can't have it. Well, fine. And then you, then finally, like, towards the end of the season, it looks like we're going to get the ice cream cone. He's like, here, man, go ahead and hold that thing. All you got to do, all you got to do is taste it, man. If you want it, all you got to do is taste it. And then and then all of a sudden, Michigan Week was like, hold on real quick. And then he drops right to the knee and just punch you right in the crotch, dude. And you just, you just fold over. <laughs> no <laughs> while ice cream, the ice cream while, while the ice cream falls off the cone yeah. and hits the floor, and you're just holding the cone, dripping. <laughs> Crying. <laughs> oh god. That's, that's kind of I, I hate to put it like that. But that's just kind of how I, I felt. Like, dude, I, we talked about this before. I know we got to get off here, but I went through the wave of emotions this year, man. Just the wave of it, dude. Anger and happiness and resentment, <laughs> suicide. I went through all of them, dude. Jesus. Oh. Yeah, dude. T- this this year was crazy. You know, and there are some games, you know, I, after the game, I'm like, I think we got a shot to win it this year. And then after you watch some other games, I'm like, God, we're not very good, are we? Yeah. And then you turn around the next game, and you're like, man, I think we might be the number one seed. Next week's like, God, we're not even going to make the playoff. Like, <laughs> it know, has like, been, dude. It's been a roller coaster. Dude. At least, you know, that one year, Urban's last year, our defense was so bad that year that we knew – we just knew the whole year there was no shot. It was just like a bonus, you know, scoring 62 on Michigan that year. And that year still felt better than this one in some way because it's all about that Michigan game at the end of the year. Yep. I know. Well, we've rambled on long enough, man. 
So uh, everybody out there, thanks for listening and uh, check us out. Uh, obviously, we'll be back after the bowl game to do a, a season wrap up. And then um, going into the off season, we have a ton of stuff we want to talk about, cool ideas and concepts. Uh, we're going to try to get some more guests on, stuff like that. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, Davis, tell them where they can find us. All right, guys, as always, uh, check us out on Facebook. We got a page. We post a lot of stuff there, or at least lately Chad's been posting a lot of stuff there, giving me crap for not being on there as active. But I appreciate that. Listen, some of us have been under the weather and had new babies. We'll get back into a rhythm. But check us out on Facebook. We share a lot of uh, cool things there. Try to uh, interact with our fans, anyone that's listening. Um, but we also post a lot of things on um all the uh, major streaming services. So definitely check us out on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Uh, even though it's not as upkept as it should be again, thanks to Davis going through a lot of stuff right now. But we will I be appreciate up. that. You're welcome. Back up again on YouTube uh, before too long. Um, but if you guys ever have any questions or something you'd like for us to cover, or maybe at some point we'll start, you know, bringing in some fan questions and answering those. Cause I kind of like, you know, I'm really wanting to kind of start doing stuff like that. Um, shoot us a message guys. You know, we'd love to hear from you and we really appreciate all the support we've gotten. You know, I think we've more than doubled in size in this second season. So, you know, that, that we really means, appreciate that. Yeah. So, I don't know if, you know, we're just doing a good job. We're doing better promoting or what's happening, but we appreciate the support, guys. Give us a listen. Give us a like. And as always, go Bucks. Oh, H.